All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Schools. I am so excited to be here with Audrey and David. David Carpenter and I go all the way back to 2007 when we started this podcast, Shifting Our Schools. David, thank you for coming back and being a guest on the show. And I tell you, it's hard to believe it was so long ago that we uh, got this whole thing started, me living in Shanghai and, and you living in Hong Kong. Yes, and those were good days and kind of uh, innovative days uh, that you and I got together at NISA to, to run a session. And we were definitely birds of a feather and we agreed on a lot of things and we put our heads together to start the podcast. And I, I just remember we didn't know what we were doing, but we knew there were a lot of good people out there for us to interview, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, really, that's what I still love about podcasts. I love this, you know, just the orga organic conversations that you have with people and you get to learn. You know, there's all kinds of ways to set up professional learning networks and listening to podcasts is one way to learn. And, you know, being able to go out and talk to people uh, is another way. And so I think for both of us, it was a way for us just to talk to international educators at the time. Um, and get a feel for what was happening around international education. So uh, it's it's great to great to have you back here. In fact, listeners who might be new to shifting schools, you can go back and listen. Uh, David Carpenter and I did the first thirty episodes of Shifting Our Schools. If you want to go back and see what podcasting was like in two thousand seven and eight, uh, <laughs> there's a transition in there from me moving from Shanghai to Bangkok, and I think you moved in there too, didn't you, from Hong Kong? Somewhere? Right. I moved to Morocco where we were using the cellular plug-in to your laptop to get a Wi-Fi signal. So those, those were uh, days when the signal wasn't so great. And on that note, I've got to let the audience know, I'm in southwestern Mexico, uh, Puerto Escondido, a wonderful beach town, but they do not have good Wi-Fi here. So if I go out, just keep going, and I will try to get back on. Uh, sounds good. Well, David, tell us a little bit about your adventures as an international educator. Uh, it's great to have an episode here focused on international education. We know we've got a lot of listeners who live in other parts of the world and, and many who are international educators themselves. What, what was your journey in, in places that you lived in and, and uh, taught at? So I got my start in 1990 um, in Israel, the Walworth Barber American International School, the year of the Gulf War. And that started my journey meeting some good friends who are still out there working around the world. A few are starting to retire now. And I would go, in, go on to work at uh, nine more international schools. So a lot of different places. Um, my last post was Vietnam uh, in Saigon which I, I loved. I've been to Vietnam many, many times. Uh, but throughout the journey, I felt that the community and the schools gave, and the parents and the kids gave so much to me that when Audrey came up with this idea of doing a, a podcast about international education and she asked me to join her, I said, I'm on board. I really want to be a part of that and I want to see how I can give back. So that's, that's a quick synopsis of my long journey and wonderful journey. Well, and I'm sure, uh, Audrey, welcome to the Shifting Schools podcast. And Audrey, I'm sure you found out, much like I did, that you don't go to David and say, hey, 
I've got an idea to do something because next thing you know, you're, you're doing it with David. Cause he's just that kind of, <laughs> that kind of guy. So talk a little bit about your adventures. Yeah. He just kind of snowballs you. It's awesome. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I, I began in Ethiopia and met uh, my future husband there. And then we went on to Saudi Arabia where we met David and Margaret. And, uh, then we, from there, uh, Singapore, which those two were long-term places. Um, and then we, our daughter wanted to try South America. So we said, all right, we'll take a look. So we ended up in Chile, which was fabulous. Uh, then we got to um, Senegal. And then we were in Italy because we had wanted to get to Europe, although you can't stay in Europe. At least we weren't able to for a long time because uh, it's really hard to save money there. And then uh, now we've moved on to Jamaica, and this is probably going to be our last overseas location, but it's been a wonderful ride. And, you know, like David said, we just really have gotten so much out of this incredible lifestyle where you have the aspect of your life where you're, you're teaching during the school year and just doing incredible amounts of travel and adventure and meeting people from all over the world. And your classroom is stuffed with kids who have such incredible backgrounds and then you have your part of the year where you're getting back in touch with your you know North American roots for most of us and hanging out with your family so it's just there's just so so much to say about this incredible wonderful lifestyle that, that we've had so I'm excited yeah and I think one of the things you know to point out uh, is just the incredible people you meet uh, we know coming out of you know we just got our Spotify uh, wrapped uh, data from 2022 and Australia is our second most uh, country that listens to the podcast with Canada being the third. And one of the things about, I always found just so much fun and educationally was teaching from people from other countries. You know, we have a lot of friends now from New Zealand and Australia and Mm. quite a few friends. In fact, Trisha, who you know, my co-host here on the show, who's not here today, uh, is uh, in Canada now with her wife, and uh, you know that's to me part of part of the fun of being an international educator is just getting to meet, you know, all kinds of different educators coming from different backgrounds and and being able to meld those backgrounds together and learning on behalf of yourself and learning for your kids' sake. And Audrey, I'd like to start my first question kind of uh, in that vein of as an international educator, one of the things I think that I know I feel, and I know many educators feel, international educators feel, is just the amount of support you have through professional learning and professional development. Can you maybe talk about what your experience was being an international educator and just being able to quote unquote up your game? Well, so initially it was we were able to go and attend. We were living in Ethiopia. We went to ASA conferences, which is the Association of International Schools in Africa. At least that was the name at the time. I'm not sure if it still is. And just to go to those conferences and, you know, I've, I've long felt that teachers are our own best professional development as opposed to necessarily having, you know, an expert come in. And um, so sharing ideas and, those conferences were a wonderful blend of you had the, they called them keynote speakers who would have a thread that you could follow. And then they had teachers who would do presentations. And 
I always just gained so much. I, my head was just buzzing after those conferences. And, you know, I, I don't know how many people had this problem, but I always found it difficult to choose among all the amazing options that were there. And uh, then just the opportunity, you know, these international schools tend to have professional development. People come in and do workshops at the school. And then also, again, teachers offering workshops uh, in all kinds of different areas. And um, sometimes you can, some schools will support you in your continuing education. So if you're working on a master's or something like that, and uh, take some classes that the school will help to pay for. Um, so there's just so many opportunities. And, um, you know, one of the really fun ones I went to was the the Shanghai 2.0 type of uh, conferences that, that you guys were both part of as well. And the learning that could be done at those in terms of technology and personal learning network and really just ex- exponentially expanding your ability to, you know, self-professionally develop mm-hmm. is, is, it's really, um, it's, <laughs> what's the word I'm searching for? There's no limit to it once yeah. you start down that path. And so I, I feel like the international schools have really got their game going on. You know, they yeah. know what they're doing in terms of professional development. Yeah. And thank you for the shout out to Learning 2. People have heard of Learning 2 on this podcast. It was a conference uh, that I helped to get started back in 2007. And uh, just a quick plug for them. They will be back in person uh, in 2023, November of 2023 at the International School of Bangkok. So anybody who can find the funds to get to Bangkok, it's going to again be uh, just an incredible conference. And David, I, I want to talk about that because you and I, when we started the podcast back in 2007, we were both in this place where we were, we believed that what we were doing internationally was far and above what was happening in other places. And one of the things that I love is when I go back and I still do from time to time, go back and listen to those first 30 episodes that you and I did and the conversations, David, that you and I were having with different people in the international world over 10 years ago are still some of the foundation of conversations we're having today. And I think to me personally, it just shows the incredible forward thinkingness uh, that you have in international education. What, what would you say to that? Well, it's funny you should say that. I'm sitting here nodding my head in, in agreement with you. Um, and I remember just a few years ago when you started up the Shifting Our Schools podcast, Shifting Schools podcast again, and we had Mark on from the EdTech Co-op uh, podcast. And I, and I asked the two of you, I, I said, okay, Mark's in higher ed, but he's teaching pre-service teachers. You were out doing your con- uh, consulting around the world. And I asked, well, what's new? What's what's kind of um, on the cusp of learning and, and just making the learning experience better? And you both said, Dave, it's everything we've been talking about going all the way back to 2007. It, it really hasn't changed. So that that was quite a you know my my eyebrows went up and I go well you know I think you were probably right um, and you and I and Audrey too we're all instructional technologists we've done plenty of other jobs as well but I call us change agents that's who we are we come into schools not having all the answers 
But what we try to do is reach out to other people, as Mark would say, that distributed expertise and come together uh, and send people off to conferences, bring in people like you, Jeff, to help us out uh, and, and to make change for, the, for good reasons. And back to what we were doing uh, from project-based learning to inquiry to understanding by design by U, uh, UDL, that it all made sense because there was research behind it. That was one thing Mark would always bring in to say. So, yeah, and I, that's kind of, you know, a question. You know me, I like to ask questions on what are you seeing with your work with the schools in your region in the Pacific Northwest? Do you, do you see the schools kind of in the sweet spot or behind it or what's happening there? Uh, well, we're going to get into that question more on your podcast. Yes, we <laughs> so are. Okay, we'll hold to, that one then. I uh, go over to your podcast. Yeah, we'll put that over there. But I think um, it's where we are right now. I mean, listeners of the podcast have heard me say this. We're in, after the pandemic, I think we're in what I call the rubber band effect where we've snapped back a bit. Um, I'm hearing this in the international world as well, though, that we're, you know, the places where you can still be in person. I mean, there's a lot of things still happening in, in China and, and other uh, countries as well. But um, here, I think in America, we're, we're still in that this idea of the snapback effect where that rubber band got so, stretched so tight uh, and really pushed us to the extremes of what we what we were capable of, uh, that there's this there's this human reaction to get back to what was. And I feel like for the most part here in the U S we're, we're still trying to figure out what the new normal is. Uh, hmm. And we snapped back pretty hard. And I think we're still struggling through that here. Um, but it's not to say there isn't great innovation happening and we're, we're seeing some things come out of it uh, ways, ways to be different and, and things that we thought were happening in schools that the pandemic pointed out, we weren't doing in schools very right. well. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things around that. And we're, we're going to get into that deeper over on your podcast, which we'll be talking Excellent. about here. So listeners, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, we can, we can go over there as well. You know, one of the things I want to talk about for those listeners, you know, this episode coming out in February, I remember, you know, for my wife and I, when we went overseas for the first time, it's about the time when you start thinking, you know, is there something out there? Are, are we, you know, what is this international thing that I keep hearing out? Audrey, I want to put you on the spot. When people, when people come to you and say, well, I've heard of international teaching. Is that like teaching English in Japan? Uh, how do you explain what actual in, being an international educator at international schools is? You're right. If I had a dollar for every time I've had that question. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I like the different way that we all answer it. So it's good to get other people's perspective. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I know when I when I first uh, went to Ethiopia, I used to tease my family. I found a, a nice mud hut and sent them a photo of me standing next to it and said, this is my new home, you know, just to kind of pull their chain. But I, I um, typically tell people that they're private, typically you know, American or Western curriculum based schools where the kids have to have a certain level of English proficiency to, to get in, generally speaking, and that they're really a lot like the school you're in right now in North America, but they are located somewhere else as it just happens. And also that because they're privately funded, they maybe work a little differently in terms of having more flexibility for 
teachers, um, I would say, and I imagine you guys would echo this, that teachers have just a little more autonomy in terms of what they're doing in their classrooms. You have quite a bit of opportunity to have an impact. As David talked about change agents, you can, especially if you're in a small school, um, you can impact things. And uh, I typically explain that there are schools with, you know, I, I talk a little bit about the origins of them, although I think that that's, that origin story has changed over the years now. And yeah. I guess there are more for-profit schools. But when back in the day when we were doing it, they typically were uh, some, some um, you know, parents got together and said, look, we, we kind of really want our kids to be in a school that will have a curriculum that will lead them more seamlessly into being in a North American university environment. And so we're going to create our own school. And so somebody's mom got together, the, the kids, the, the, all the expat, either CEOs or government people, and started a school. And they were in somebody's house and there were, you know, 15, 10, 15 kids. And then they grew from there. Um, but that's no longer the origin story, really, uh, so much for the more recently established schools. A lot of them are established differently from that. But that's those are the kind of things I, I tend to talk about, that they're really not that different from North American-based schools. They're just located somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and I think from a curriculum standpoint, you're absolutely right. You know, almost all these schools either follow a U.S. curriculum. If you're a, a U.S. teacher, uh, very much they follow, you know, Common Core State Standards or, you know, the New Math Standards or New Science uh, Standards. If uh, there are Canadian uh, based schools, there are Australian uh, based schools. You can find your schools everywhere. IB based schools out of Switzerland, um, and they all have you know just in incredible ways that you can, I don't know, experience the world as an educator. David, is there anything you want to add on? And just like what what is it? Do you think people need to know about international education? I, I guess I want to put out there that it's very doable. Like you said, a lot of your listeners are in the U.S. and Canada, or they're working in Australia, or they're, they're working in Britain or Europe in their public schools or private schools there. But the pathway to become an international educator can be pretty clear. It can seem pretty daunting uh, to start the process. And I guess that's why we, we've started our website, our hub, as we're calling it, that has a lot of different pathways to gather information just to help people who know nothing about international education. But we're also going to be providing a lot of information to veteran educators because, Jeff, I, you know, you've, you've been out of the international game for a little bit now, and I haven't recruited in a while. It's changed a lot. Um, and when we talk about the profile of schools, I think Audrey just gave a wonderful description. Um, but I'm kind of wondering where they're going to go in a world where there could be another pandemic. How flexible are they? Are they going to offer hybrid programs? Um, so I think there's just real opportunities for change, real opportunities for schools to grow and find their niches. Because just as Audrey's saying, there's so many more competitors out there, not just in capital uh, cities, but in secondary cities as well. So I guess that I would add that as my two cents. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, I think we can all three throw out there and I'll, I'll open this up, Audrey, we can start with you and then David over to you is I think when you're talking with most teachers, you know, the first place they think of is like, oh, it would be amazing to live in Italy like Audrey did. You know, and you're like, yes, it is. And it, there is right. Like you're living in Rome or you're living in Milan and or Florence or pick your city. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Um, but then there's a financial part to that. Uh, but I think most of us, uh, you both were in Saudi Arabia. I was in Saudi Arabia when we got started. Um, you know, and we went to China and Bangkok was, was our travels. And I think one thing that I would just add is don't rule out the world. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, we all get focused because we think that Europe would be the you know, unquote easy to live in. Um, but I think there's just, it's such an incredible world. And once you get out there and you see and you experience and you actually get to live in different cultures, you know, that's one of the reasons why Dania, my wife and I um, chose to go to Saudi Arabia first was, I mean, we had job offers in a lot of different places, but we wanted that cultural experience. You know, we wanted to be able to be in a different culture and, and that's why we were in Saudi. But Audrey, let's start with you. Like, what are some of the, just that idea of, cultural experience and, and what it allows you to do, you know, as an educator, I think it's just, it's something that can't be replicated anywhere else. Are you wondering if at school, or are you thinking about the travel kind of stuff? Both. Or living. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> so in your classroom are going to be kids who have just such a diverse background. They're from all over the place and it just it leads itself to some incredible discussion. So, for example, I was teaching health in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, initially I was a little worried, you know, this is a bit of a, a, a cultural hot button topic, type yeah, of yeah. top issue. But over time, I became more comfortable. The, the, the kids were typically, they were used to being in an American school environment. And so they tended to have more you know, they, they could flex with their, with their um, thinking, but I ended up doing, and it was so much fun because the kids taught me, you know, we talk about the, what these kids give back to you. They taught me about what it's like to be a Muslim and have some of them have, and this is certainly not the case for all of them, but some of them had where, you know, their parents were heavily involved in their decision of whom they were going to date. And also they weren't, really technically supposed to be dating. So we had, I created something called the dating game and mm -hmm. we had the daters and the non-daters and you would, the, the non-daters, meaning kids who were not meant to by culture, they weren't meant to date until they were married. And then we had the, the kids who were allowed to, and we had, I, I had them come up with questions for each other. And it was really mind opening where mm. they, the, the non-daters taught me some things. For example, if you're not supposed to be dating, there are very clear rules. And so you, when you do meet someone, if you're in a chaperoned environment, meaning just that there's an adult in the room, yeah, the safety in that is really comforting for those kids. And because, you know, it's kind of reminds me of the throwback to the, sort of the 50s where you don't kiss on the first date. It's that kind of thing. When you have clear rules like that, it's actually yeah. kind of nice, you know, there isn't that. And there's no alcohol involved. And so you don't have that. Piece. So I'm just saying that these kids, it's just, it's incredible the kind of mm, cultural experiences that you have within the classroom. You know, um, maybe there might be 
an event that happens. And, you know, you can find, you can t- have an Israeli kid and an Arab kid and kind of talk it through. And yeah. you can sponsor, if you will, those type or facilitate the type of conversations where you don't just not talk about it. You talk about it in a respectful, mindful way, and you learn so much from each other. So that's those are the kind of experience that I love in the classroom. Outside the classroom, just being that much closer to cool places, you know, living Saudi Arabia for its cultural strict limitations in some senses, but it's such a hub of travel. And so we really loved our travel that we had there. And then the other piece of it was because you lived in a compound, everybody was friends with each other. It was so felt so safe within that compound. And, you know, we all hung out together. It was amazing. And uh, then the travel opportunities in the area, you know, I mean, you know, who, who, who lives in North America and just pick up and go and travel to New Zealand. That's, that's a long, long way and very expensive. And when you teach overseas, you're just that much closer. And, uh, you know, particularly if you're a teaching couple, you can, you have the same vacations as your spouse and as your kids. And so you can have all these incredible travel opportunities. Um, One of my favorite adventures was we went and we, we heard from friends that you could sleep on the Great Wall of China. And so we got connected with this tour and we had dinner with this Chinese family. And then we, they took us up, the husband took us up to the wall and we slept on the wall overnight and, you know, peed in a bucket. It was really a cool experience. We got up before dawn and went to the crest of this area where you could look over the wall and take an incredible, you know, some dawn photos of it. My daughter and I went for a run along the wall, just things like that. But, you know, and these things expand your mind. And then living, you know, daily life, for example, in Ethiopia, you know, you're walking along the street and there's people, you know, an old woman who looks to be in her upper 80s carrying a stack of wood that I could never manage. And there's people, you know, carting their donkeys along the along the road and you're meeting people and just being part of something that is an experience in and of itself in your just your daily walk to school. So it's just unbelievable how many opportunities living internationally can open up. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's funny listening to you talk. Uh, my good friend, Ashley, who uh, I want to get back on to talk about her international school experience, but I did already interview her. She is, for those of you listening, can go back to episode 96. She's a third grade teacher. She was at the International School of Luxembourg uh, in that interview uh, back episode 96, but she's now in Vietnam. And just to your point, Audrey, is this weekend she was running a marathon in Cambodia. And this is what you do as an international educator. She is teaching in Vietnam, gets out of school on Friday. And because the world is quite small, she flies to Cambodia, spends the weekend in Cambodia, runs a 10K and is back in time for work on Monday. And it's those kind of experiences that I think, you know, lead to. I think the other thing to point out is just if you're listening to this, it, you know, we, the three of us on this call, you know, made it a, a, a life. I mean, I was, we were overseas for 10 years before we came back, uh, but you don't have to. I mean, most, most contracts are, are a two-year contract, but the things that you can do just even in those two years, and I think about, and David, I, I want you to kind of weigh in on this, but uh, I'll never forget when we came back in 2012, 
Our last school was the International School of Bangkok, where we had 72 different nationalities. And my wife was a school counselor. She was a middle school school counselor. And she came back and she's applying for jobs here in Seattle. And she didn't know how to answer the question on the um, application form that talked about working with other cultures. You know, like the the standard question of like, well, how do you work from students with diverse backgrounds? And my wife's looking at this like, well, I just came out of a school where I'm dealing with 72 different nationalities. You've got to give me something more than diverse backgrounds. Are we talking a student who has a Korean mom and a German dad? Are we talking uh, (laughs) Korean kids with Korean parents? Are we like, you can't just say diverse, you know, diversity of kids when you're coming from these amazing international schools that give you experiences like Audrey was talking about. And David, I know you're, you were in counseling for a while. You had uh, sons that grew up internationally. I know there's a lot of teachers who are also parents who worry about their kids uh, going to international schools. Can you maybe touch on, on some of that of, of raising, uh, raising your boys overseas and, and some of the things that you saw from the parent side of thing, as well as the educator side of thing? That, that's a great question. That was something I was going to kind of lean into as well. So um, I, I keep coming back to our website. We're putting videos together, and I just did one about raising your children overseas. So it's fresh in my mind. It's kind of a slideshow of my boys in front of great travel places and in the classroom and learning Mandarin and uh, playing baseball. Um in Hong Kong, for example. So it's a world where your children are going to pick up a lot of skills, life skills, from critical thinking to seeing multiple perspectives to being really good communicators in general. I'm generalizing here. But when you're in a class, just like Audrey was saying, with kids from a very different culture, and the teacher brings up a topic and that student responds to it in a way you're not used to, Well, over time, you start getting used to that, and that becomes the norm. Uh, One of the things that I see with my adult sons now is just how they handle life uh, for for growing up and being in airports and, Dad, can I go get this, or landing at a place, and do we need a taxi? Oh, I'll get us a taxi, Dad, Um, or just the, the nature of so many of these schools that are, as we say, student-centered. They all should be. But so many of these schools really pride themselves on putting curriculum together that puts the students in charge of their learning. You know, personalized learning, we were talking about this in 2008, and it's become a kind of a bigger thing. Um, But that's all part of the the package of raising these um, globally-minded students, uh, third culture kids is an acronym that we use. So I... I look back as probably that was the greatest benefit for our family was to raise uh, Sam and Max, uh, our sons, overseas. And I did want to kind of put a plug into what you onto what you were saying about if you're going overseas that first time, and like you were saying, you look at Europe and oh, it's going to be comfortable. And uh, one of the things you learn there, you know, there are cost benefits to everything that you do. And if you were to meet some international teachers and say, where did you have the most community experiences? Where did you feel the closest to the parents, the students? And I can tell you probably nine out of 10 times, they were in places where people would think, oh, that might not be the most comfortable place, right? That you're going to a place 
where you're going to be stretched, mm-hmm. where you're going to have different experiences, and you're just going to have to get into your stretch zone, to use the counseling term. Uh, and after a while, you become more adept at that. So the personal growth aspect of all this uh, is a huge takeaway for anyone thinking about going overseas, no matter if you're towards the end of your career or it's the start of your career. Um, Audrey and I would say, go for it. Hmm. I love Absolutely. that. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your website and your podcast that you guys are getting started. Audrey, I'll get started with you because David said it was all your idea. So I'm sure yes. you've got it all fleshed out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how this is going to go. So talk a little bit about the podcast that you guys are starting. So our main focus is to educate people about international education, what it is, uh, the trends, how to go about it. And, you know, initially my thinking was this would be a how-to for, as Mm -hmm. you said, Jeff, people that come up to you and say, well, do you teach English? to English language learners and uh, sort of what these schools are all about and what the clientele is and what goes on and um, maybe a little bit about some different countries and then kind of the how-to of the recruiting fairs and so on. And then David said, well, wait, don't we want to appeal to the veteran teachers as well? So, you know, that made a lot of sense. So we're going to also look at uh, current trends and maybe, you know, ideas for relocating, not necessarily beginning the journey, but going somewhere new. And we've actually connected with a um, international teacher consultant, she calls herself, Jacqueline Millay, and she helps people go through the process. So that's wonderful, both for new and veteran international teachers to know that there's somebody there who can kind of help you with the whole process. I would have loved to have someone like her. And um, so we, the, the kind of something that makes our podcast a little different is although the podcast episodes will be released serially, um, episodically, not, um, our idea is to have a library where we're adding them in there as well. So whether or not they've been released, um, you can go to our website and search under a topic, let's say recruitment, or let's say finances, which is a big one. And then you can, it'll come up with podcasts, blog posts, and then we have a growing resource list. It'll come up with, uh, we're using a system of cards. And so it'll come up with cards that have those topics in them. And you can choose, do you want to listen to it? Do you want to read about it? Do you want to go and visit another site that, you know, will give you more information. And then we're also going to post on there, or we already have started to post on there, what we call Going Global Stories, which are some of the stories that, you know, we've shared, uh, what it's like living overseas, the quirky adventures that happen, those slice of life stories, and then this small world stories, because as you guys both know, you'll be in an airport, you know, in somewhere, Kazakhstan, and suddenly, oh my gosh, there's Sue, you know, I haven't seen you in 15 years. And, or you're deciding, oh, let's travel, let's go to Kathmandu. We'll know someone there, right? I mean, it's just, it's insane, the amount of connection. So our tagline is actually travel, teach, connect. Hmm. Because that's a big part for, for both David and me and yourself is the 
connections that you make and how cool that is as well. So we've got four parts to our website. We've got the podcast and you can listen to the podcast there. We've got a blog page where you can read blog posts and David's our big blogger, but I will add some in time. We have our resource library where you can, you know, search on different topics. And then we have our going global stories and we're hoping that we'll, you know, once it catches on, people will say, Oh, yeah, I saw, you know, Jeff talking about that time they took a tuk-tuk in Bangkok and got lost in the mountains or whatever. Yeah. And I want to, I have a story like that I want to tell. And then it'll grow from there because I think it could be really, really fun to have a hub of these, these stories and they can be, you know, informative as well as entertaining for people. So those are the the main aspects of the, of the website and the podcast. I love that. Thank you. And uh, just my quick story on that, that you never know where this is going to go. You're going to love this one. I was at a, it was after we moved back here. So that'd be like 2013, 2014. I'm at a Seattle Mariners game and David knows how much I love my Seattle Mariners. Oh yeah. And we're sitting there in the stands and about the second inning, all of a sudden these two girls who are happened to be sitting in front of sorry, young women, they're probably 22, 23 at the time. Uh, all of a sudden they turn around and one of them looks at me and says, are you Mr. You? And my <laughs> wife looks at me and we're both looking at each other like, yeah. She goes, you do, you were the technology, you were the technology person at my school in Bangkok. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what are the chances yeah. that not only are you at a Seattle Mariners game, but they're sitting in the seats right in front of us. Uh, right. But uh, you just run into those kind of, you realize how small the world is. You know, we ran into some other teachers in the middle of Petra Jordan one time to your point, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. it's amazing how, how paths, how yeah. paths in, in international schools, it's not six degrees of separation. It's like two. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So true. Well, David, as you guys are getting this podcast going and we get ready to sign off here, uh, if there are international educators who are listening to this, I love the idea, Audrey, of teachers who are, come on and tell their international stories. David, if, if somebody thinks they, they, they want to be on your podcast or they've got a great story to tell, uh, what kind of things are you looking for and what's the best way for them to reach out to you guys? I think the best way to we'll start at our website, www.educatorsgoingglobal.com, and uh, email us at educatorsgoingglobal at gmail.com. Uh, and we're ready to hear from folks. And we also have a Facebook group. And yes, it's called Educators Going Global, that you can join that and post questions, post topics. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, Jeff, we're just following what you've been doing for many years. So you, you've been a, a good model for us and how to make connections and such. So we're just following your lead. Um, I think when they go to the website that they'll be able to, as Audrey said, go through our major categories, filter them, pull in information. And then if they want to be like, if they want to be on the show, um, if, if they have some background and they have a topic they want to cover, then just email us or go into the Facebook group and share some information there. Uh, and we really, in the end, we really hope to build a community. Is That's the theme through our talk today. That is, you're both saying the, the world is big, but no, it really isn't. Uh, so we're building our own community there. Um, and we hope people will come on and join us and as much as Audrey and I have had a lot of experiences, 
It isn't like we're talking instructional technology where we just really know it super well or wellness or health. Um, And the world has changed so much with recruiting and, and what's happened with China in the last year. So we're talking to people and getting a lot of new information about trends uh, what to expect or what might, you know, what might happen. So I, I hope we will become that hub for people who um, want to learn or people who they've learned a lot and they just kind of want to nail down what's happening around the world that they can join us at our, our website. Awesome. Well, Audrey, David, thank you both so much. David, as always, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, and, and just see where, where you're at. You happen to be in Mexico this time. I can't remember right. the last time we caught up where you were. It seems like you're always traveling the world. Uh, so it's always, it's always great. So thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedules to uh, chat with us today. We will make sure there are links to everything from the website to the email address, the Facebook group in the show notes, making it very easy for any of you that want to learn more. Please do reach out. Uh, it's such a great and unique thing that that is unique to education, uh, that there are schools everywhere and just an amazing opportunities to when we say creating global citizens, we have an opportunity to truly do that. So thank you both for taking time today to chat with us. And until next time, we'll see you on the network.